Hi, I'm Michelle Fiordaliso, co-host of The When Is Now. My co-host, Zora Alunga-Reed, is on hiatus working for Rock the Boat until the election. I'm a writer and executive coach who started The When Is Now as a way to help us live more fully in the present and find our purpose in a changing world. On today's episode, I talked to Jamie Walrup, a multifaceted coach who's worked with some of the most influential people in the entertainment, music, personal development, and wellness communities. Since 2014, he's studied men's leadership and embodiment with John Wineland and assisted John in workshops about the masculine relationship and intimacy. Jamie co-teaches embodiment workshops with prominent women's coach, Madeline Moon. He's currently teaching a sold-out seven-month men's program. Hi, Jamie. Thanks so much for being with us today. It's great being here. I'm so uh, excited and eager to have this conversation because, as some listeners know, I'm the mother of a 20-year-old son, and I think that the culture of men is changing, and change to me is always interesting. And and, and so I'm, I, I find it to be a, a real privilege to be able to talk to someone who's been studying how men are changing. And I, I know that as a woman, we often like to believe that we know a lot about men. And I think that that's probably a mistake. And uh, I'm not so sure we do. And so I want to know what is men's work and what are men working on? You know, it's so, it's so interesting that something that it's that we're changing. And so much of the work that we do as men's work is actually more of a reclamation of how I believe that we've been, men have been for centuries, for millennium, for um, to come back into. So the men's work is it's about coming back into the tribe again, coming back into the council again. What's happened, I think, in the toxic masculinity has we've been isolated so much. We don't get feedback from one another. There's a great book. Um, it's how it got me into men's work by a man named Robert Bly. It was a book called Iron John. And he talked about why men are so lost and disconnected. And so much of the book, uh, based on the the grim fairy tale um, of Iron John, was about how since the Industrial Revolution, boys started to become raised by their mothers, as opposed to, for thousands of years, agricultural, hunting, blacksmiths, boys would be raised by their fathers and they would have um, things like walkabouts and sun dances and they would have rituals and be raised by other men. And so it's really interesting in the book that since the Industrial Revolution is, you know, the men go off to the factories and raised by women. And I'm sure everyone did the best they could. What would happen in the book was that boys would then become to have their mother's perception of their fathers. So the mother would be like, your father always does this and your father always does that. And then the boys are raised in some way to resent and hate their father. And in the book, it talks about, and this happened to me and I experienced this. I hated my father, you know, cats in the cradle kind of stuff. That song. I know know it. (laughs) Give me the card. Right, right, right. And, and at about 35, I stopped hating my father. I woke, I went, oh my God, I had sort of the feminine projection of my father 
And it wasn't anyone's fault. I'm, I'm saying this is all unconscious. That I believe through my work that and through the women's uh, coaches that I, I've worked with, that women should work with women and men should work with men. And, then, and so when we do these workshops, men go off to the women's co-ed. The men work with the men for the first day and the women work with the women for the first day. And then we come back in and work together. And that helps create what's called polarity. And that's been so interesting to me. And I, and I, and this is something that John Wineland said to me when I first started working with him privately and, and I was struggling in my relationships and I was, and he said, if you want to have uh, a feminine partner trust you, you first have to be trusted by the masculine. And that changed my life. And I did a year of no dating. I actually had very little contact with women besides work and family. And I had to rewire my relationship to the feminine. And because of that, I'm currently in the healthiest relationship of my life. And I'm not saying this is for everyone, but this is what worked for me. So what transformed for you as you came to develop a better relationship with your masculine? Mm. What was that year like? What what shifted? Well, I, had to re- I had to redefine it. I, 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 I had a very negative view of the masculine. Um, I think America has a very negative view of the masculine. It's, to me, the toxic masculine. It's about domination. It's about control. It's more about, um, you know, drinking buddies and, uh, you know, so it, it, I had, I didn't understand what it, what it was more um, uh, machismo and macho is what I, what I perceived what the masculine was. Can you say a little bit more about, you've used, uh, you've used this word uh, a few times and some people are familiar with it. I, I know that my son and his friends will throw it around about toxic masculinity. So it's not that m- the masculine is toxic, but we have learned a type of masculinity that is toxic. And you mentioned a few things like domination and control. What, what other things are included in that notion of toxic masculinity? To me, it's anything from the masculine that doesn't come from its heart. So it's usually, I mean, we all have it. I, the women have it as well. Like we all have a toxic, a toxic masculine. It's to lack of consciousness, honestly. That's what it, to me, I, and not to get political, but trying to control and tell people what they need to do out of fear is to me, toxic masculinity. And divine masculine is more about consciousness. It's more about space. It's more about structure. So when I realized that masculine and feminine had really nothing to do with gender, that's when I I began to really understand it and embody it. Does this make sense? And Um, so are you saying that it has more to do with polarity than gender? Yeah, correct. I think toxic masculinity, you can see it like in a bar fight. You can see it in uh, the Me Too movement, um, before the Me Too movement. Um, the toxic masculinity is is really, to me, operated from fear. So I, it's, it's easier to give it in a, a an actually specific definition of it, but I want to speak in more general sense. We'll get into that more. But when I started to discover that, uh, like my alcoholic father... I felt like, yes, he was quote unquote manly, but I felt like he, like hitting me with the belt and the way that he, his temper, like it felt like the toxic masculine to me. And as I grew older and I started finding my teachers, I found that they would say things like, you know, I'm not, 
angry at you, I'm disappointed, or they would, they would teach more than they would shame. And that, that's, that, that would, I feel like that's a better definition. The, the divine masculine leads and the toxic masculine controls and shames and punishes. That's, a, that's very clear. And, you know, you mentioned the Me Too movement and, and I did want to talk a little bit about that because, um, you know, I always think about this Margaret Atwood quote, I'm not sure if you've heard it, but where she said, men are afraid that women will laugh at them. Women are afraid that men will kill them. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty much bullseye. <laughs> that makes sense. And I wondered if you had any thoughts about that, because I think it does sort of, it does explain what you just said, using your masculine to control rather than to lead. Well, it's so interesting, as, as you, you said that, I just know a lot of men that haven't done the work, they would rather die than be laughed at. Like that, that's how painful it is to them the humiliation. It's, it's one of probably the worst feelings as a man. And so I would know, I'd ask a couple of guys, like, would you rather be laughed at by a woman or would you rather die? And I'm like, <laughs> most of them are like, just kill me. <laughs> you know? So it's interesting that level of pain. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Why is that so painful? Oh God. Well, this is, we're going to get, we're kind of getting deep into the weeds here. It's, it's the mask. It is an, it is emasculating. It's so, it's so interesting. It's so funny that now how I've regained my power in my life is that I've learned how to laugh at myself and I don't take myself nearly as seriously. Um, I don't know. I don't know why most men would, you would see, and I would. More importantly, what can we as women who are around men in, in various different situations, knowing that what can we do? You know, it's interesting is we're, we're, I want to, I want to speak to that. I mean, I've seen so much, like I think about those kids that like shot up the schools. The, I'm from Colorado. So there was the Columbine and these usually boys, young men, incels. Like there's such a, a feeling of humiliation of being bullied. And it's, it's so interesting that we, we tapped into that, that toxic masculinity that most of them felt like they were being laughed at. And that was their way, as, as we read the interviews with them, um, in the way the incels, would, they have like words for these people that have like uh, um, extricated them from their society and that they're feeling humiliated. So uh, yeah, that's so interesting. I wanna just go back to that, what you said that men are afraid to be laughed at and I've, that I see the rage that comes from that. So it's, it's interesting. And so what was the second question you asked? Well, the, the second part of that was, as we, oh, as we think about, I know. Yes. Yes. What women can do. Oh God. I mean, I think we all need to be in some kind of work. You know, I, I feel like the whole world could be in a 12 step program, honestly, right now, so that we could take, I feel like we all need to take responsibility uh, for our actions. And here's a great example. One of the things that we learned in, in a workshop that I learned, um, and it was, it was so profound that let's say a man in a masculine body, his body is denser. Like my body's denser than yours. Like I, you know, a little bit thicker, I'm stockier. And so for my body, when I feel something, I might feel it at a two or a three and your body might feel it at a seven 
or a nine. So if like, so like I like hit you on the shoulder, you hit me on the shoulder. And to me, I'm like, oh, whatever. I hit you on the shoulder. And you're like, ow. And men, mm-hmm. don't, we don't learn each other. We don't learn how to relate to each other. So when we would do these workshops where I think my feeling is that that's how this restorative work happens. So you would have a man and a woman and go just even like putting his hand on her waist. And he's sort of like Lenny of Mice and Men going, oh, go grab the thing. And she's like, ow. And he's like, what? I didn't do anything. I barely even touched you. And then she's going, no, that actually was jarring to me. And then to be able to be in the practice of going, so how does this feel? And the difference between her body and her responsiveness is between lightning and a lightning bug, him by barely touching, like barely putting any more pressure. And so as what women should learn, I think it's that what we have to learn together and that I, be, and I believe that 90% of us really do have the best intentions. And so to me, it has to happen in the arena of a safe container of going, oh my God, well, he's just being laughed at. I'm not being, he's not being killed. We're the ones who could be killed. He'll be laughed at. But for a woman to understand like, wait, to his nervous system, being laughed at is like dying and to have empathy that to me is where we should be going. That to me is, well, get over it. Well, he's just being laughed at. I could really die. We have to actually hear what it's like for each person's experience and and be able to then, and I I had that beautiful experience in a workshop watching this and seeing a man go, oh my God, I had no idea when I just barely touched your waist that was shocking to you. And then to see her say to that man go, oh, he didn't mean it. He didn't mean it like that. He was just, so to me that in between that Venn diagram, that's where the healing and the restorative aspects of, of the, the sexes can, can really begin to understand each other more. And I mean, I think that as a woman, uh, I can, if I'm going to be fully accountable because I'm sure I have done this myself and I have certainly witnessed other women do it, is that in the absence of that physical strength, as compared to a man's that we can get really good at shame and sarcasm and humiliation in order to try to level the playing ground. And so as you say that I'm recognizing ways in which we need to change as women as well. Yeah, I, I'm, I could not agree more that, that what you're speaking of, which I have, I have in myself, that was, I would call the toxic feminine the, you know, the shaming and the, and they, and, and it's also not your fault because that's how society was arranged for years. So that's, that was your warfare. You know, you could go read uh, Dangerous Liaisons, right? The book or the, the, sorry, the play and how through manners and how they would gossip and do things. And it was, they were assassins, social assassins. And you had to do with what you had at that time because you couldn't win the brunt force fight. So we've both been entrenched to make the other person wrong. And what I wanna be part of is the restorative aspect of going, that must be hard for you. And I I see what the struggles that you have gone through and here are mine. Where, where can we need each other to understand each other better? 
that's why I do this work. And, and it's helped me in all areas of my life through being a father, through being a partner. Um, you know, I was able to do that in a relation, something very relatable uh, in my relationship. Uh, not to get into specifics, but when my partner Kelly, who's amazing, we got into an argument and I, I had done something where I really put something out and I really had tried really hard to do something great for our family. And whatever she was going through at that time, she only found the, the, the flaw and she pointed out the flaw and she went, meh, meh, meh. And it was like an arrow in my heart. And it hurt because I really tried. And then when we came to a, a discussion, um, I really came with really trying to understand like her path and why she would respond that way from her history. And then I was able to share like, hey, I've really tried really hard to do this well and I may have messed up. It would have felt really great if you had just said something nice before you gave me the criticism. I'm very open to the criticism, but I would have really loved if you saw my efforts before you pointed out what I missed. And she was like, that makes complete sense. Because I said, my heart was in the right place. I just, it was unconscious here. And that's the masculine, it's the consciousness. And a really great, and so what women can do is, especially when, and again, this is about being, we know we're with good partners, where we know we're with good people. So this isn't about codependence and trying to change somebody, is helping a good man if, who's in the masculine, if you're in the feminine, how to help him be a little bit more conscious. And that then seeing the best in him. And then what that does is to a good man, it makes, makes him go, oh, thank you. I miss that. I, I probably do that in other areas of my life. Thank you so much. I'm gonna work on that. And that to me is really healthy. So I'm sorry, I can talk about it. Yeah, no, I mean, so that point, I mean, it's just, it's sort of interesting because I sort of came into the conversation wanting to uh, be a fly on the wall in men's work in an effort to understand women, uh, uh, you know, men better and what I'm, where I'm finding myself in is wanting to know how women could be better friends, partners, parents to men so that they could kind of access their heart and access their consciousness more. For me, for me, and this is just my flavor of it, see the best in him, see his efforts, see how hard he's trying because us having to change and us actually being vulnerable is not was not trained in us. We were like, don't cry, don't do this. So if we are putting, if we are putting our best efforts out there to, to be emotionally available, like we're really, you know, flying blind in many ways, you know? And so just know that that's your strength more or less if you're a feminine being. And when we're opening our hearts, just know that, that you are, um, you might have to lead that. And we might have to lead more of protection and more of, of leading the relationship of where we're going. So 
I would just say, just point out what he's doing right first before you criticize. And I would also say, go to other good women too, to, and this is what my partner does. She has two groups of women. So here, here I'll, I'll tell the story. It's a really good story. So we were decorating the okay. house. Tell us. And mm-hmm. It's a good story. And Kelly doesn't have a job right now. I do. And, and we're, we're dealing with a lot of stuff financially and, and how we're to lead our, whether we're going to buy a house or not, whatever. So I moved, I moved the office and we painted her space and she wanted a dresser. And we weren't buying new, new, new items. And I said, oh, dude, it'd be great. Let, I'd love to get you a dresser. It'd be a great Christmas present. We can go and get a really nice dresser for a Christmas present. And her feelings were hurt because she's like, why can't I just get a dresser? Why does it have to be a present? And I got punished for, for that. And I, where I was coming from was the place of, oh, that'd be a great thing. What'd you get for Christmas? And so I, this is what my intention was. How she heard it was that she's not deserving. And, 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 I, and it was one of those things where I just see this happen in so many relationships where these two intentions were really coming from uh, positive places. But for whatever reason, that triggered her story that she's undeserving. And I get the st- this, and I triggered my story that whatever I do isn't good enough. Mm-hmm. And then to be able to have her go off with her women and then go, that's not what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And then the men I would talk to, and they're like, well, actually, don't you see how that could have been, you know, patronizing? And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. And then she goes, yeah, 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 you're right. We come in and we're like, Oh, I see it. Well, and then what, I mean, I, you know, I mean, I've seen it for years amongst, you know, women, let's say, Mm -hmm. um, and I am not this kind of women woman, but I, I see it all the time where, you know, your friend comes to talk to you and they're like, oh yeah, he's this and he's that. And, uh, you know, nobody likes to come to me because I, I want to <laughs> give the man the benefit of the doubt and sort of ask them to reflect upon their own behavior. But well, they're not going to like but that. But can you say more <laughs> about, um, you know, what, why it's so important for both men and women? Um, and I mean, this is, uh, uh, and I don't want this to just be, you know, a heteronormative conversation, but just why men, no matter you know, for all men, why we need uh, the company of men to sort of hold us accountable and why we as women need the company of women to hold us accountable. I love that. I love that you mentioned the heteronormative. Um, I wanted to speak to that first. There's a, there's a great chapter. Uh, it's the introduction that David Data, who wrote The Way of the Superior Man, which that book changed my life. Um, yeah, he Me wrote too. a whole new um, chapter around the, the generative normative aspect and men being masculine and women being feminine. And he really is speaking to the energies. He's really speaking to the textures of our, I'm probably only a 60% masculine man. I'm an artist, I'm an actor. Like I'm the feminine is I'm very emotional, I'm sensitive. I I'm intuitive. Uh, John even talked about that. David called him out. He said this publicly. He said, David's like, you're really feminine. You, you feel things. You don't just say, Hey, I'm going to do this thing. And that's the thing I'm going to do, which is very masculine. It's the structure. So 
there are lesbian couples, homosexual couples, you know, non-binary couples. And I would argue that we have one partner who's probably more masculine and a, a partner who's probably more feminine, no matter what the gender. So just, just know that when I'm speaking of this, um, I'm just using this in broad strokes. So I let's say the majority of, of the men that would come to me are heterosexual if they're in a men's group. Um, there are there are exceptions and that's awesome. So I just, I love that you brought that up and that I don't want this to be in any way exclusive. Part of the restorative work is about the inclusivity of this work. Um, and I see it in all my, my gay friends and I'm like, there's like, there, uh, Kelly was just saying this, she is um, a lesbian couple that is part of her, her comic book company. And there's definitely one in the relationship who's more of the wife and there's, and there's one that's more of the husband. Um, I don't know if that's politically incorrect to say, but that's what they said. I'm using their words. Well, I think that there, there are some people that would, um, I mean, that would view that as well, uh, that that means that one is following our gender norms for women mm -hmm. and one is following gender norms for men. Right. So, I mean, I, I know of, um, I, I actually really like this idea that even in inside of us, we have yes. feminine and masculine. Um, and so I have, you know, lived with that knowledge and studied about it um, mm -hmm. And all of that, but I know that I can think of some people in my life that would really reject that. Like, why do we have to call the emotional part of even inside of ourselves yes. as feminine and the leadership part as masculine? And Justin um, Pierce. So, what do you say to those people who? Yeah, the Justin Pierce in, in London. They're amazing, amazing teachers. Um, please follow them; they're incredible. They call it the alpha and the omega. They just change the words. Right. So the alpha is the, the masculine word and then the omega is the, the feminine word and they just change the word so that it doesn't have the stickiness of connecting it to, to gender. So you can, we can just use the alpha and omega for the rest of it. And, and I, would, I would just argue to anyone that there's some of us and it points in our life that we lead from our emotions or we lead from our intellect. And we all have it. And, and one of the things David Data would talk about in relationship and in my relationship, there are things that Kelly leads. There are things that I lead. And what he would say is the person who's better at said thing should lead that thing. If one person, one partner is a better driver, that person should drive. One person is better with the finances, they should handle the books. So that's the person who's leading. And so if say I'm in charge of the finances, which I am, I then look at the bills. I look at what we can possibly do and of the finances. So I'm leading the consciousness around that. And if she is better at, she's a better writer than I am. I'm dyslexic. And so I'll say, hey, here's, here's this email I want to send. Will you just touch it up and make sure there's not too many misspellings or grammatical errors? And I let her lead that. I'm like, please help me. She leads the, the, the parenting of Jones. I also come and support and help her. She leads all of the doctor's appointments. So yeah, and I would believe that would be in many relationships regardless of that. So the one question we didn't answer was why it's important for us to have 
you know, you talked about the benefit of men doing men's work with men and women doing women's work with women. And, uh, and, and by work, I mean, sort of the process of becoming more aware and more accountable and more conscious, just so that we don't get confused about women's work and men's work. And then we can carry that out, not just when we're doing a workshop, but in the friendships and community that, that we cultivate around ourselves. And so why is that important to have those kinds of conscious consciousness building relationships with our own. I love, uh, I love, I love the question. It's one of, so this is just my experience and and I don't, I don't mean this to come across at all um, any way sexist in any way, but this was just my experience growing up. Um, Why I loved men's work and why I continue to do it is good men. If I'm in a men's group, they love me. I feel love. And I also feel like they don't want anything from me. I don't feel a pull or a need of some kind because we're not polarizing each other. There's not, um, when I'm with my son, who's very much in the feminine as, as a child, when I'm with him, there's always wanting something, always wanting something from me. And when I'm with Kelly, there's usually something like the honey-do list and will you do this when you do this there's always something that she wants there's something that wants for me when i'm in a group of men they will i will feel their stark criticism the the, the sharp constructive criticism and i know that it's not because they are wanting something from me they're loving me and so the masculine if you are masculine identified the masculine thrives by being challenged. So when I'm in a group and a man goes, actually, I'd love to see you, you know, sharpen, get your health in order, get in shape or um, tighten up your finances. Like I'm really open to that feedback more or less from a group of, a group of men Um, as opposed to my partner, like, you know, poking at me going like, you're looking a little bit that I will get defensive. I, I just know myself. It will be much harder to take the criticism. The feminine and our feminine and our, inside ourselves thrives from praise. So the, my feminine likes to be told that he's so talented and so good. And so, they're, so the feminine thrives from praise. The masculine thrives from challenge. And when I'm in a men's group, what has absolutely changed my life is that I've been much more open to feedback, to hearing it from them because I don't feel an agenda from them wanting me to change. They're just wanting yeah, to. Yeah, I got that. Does that make sense? But when I give criticism. Yeah, from them, I'm, I'm transforming in this conversation. Yes. So when a man, like I'm going to, I'll say, here's a great example. I'll, I'll give a shout out to my friend Amir. I gained a lot of weight during last year when Jones was born, I guess it's called sympathy weight. I don't know. I gained 30 pounds while he was, it was crazy. And I tried to go to the gym. I tried to, to, and we called this thing in the men's group, they call it a third stage dick is what it was called that we would ask a man to just give us like a brutally honest feedback. And Amir, I'll always remember this going, Jamie, he's like that dad weight, that sympathy weight, get it off. If you, the, the longer you wait to get it off, the more harder it's going to be to get off. And I was like, ouch, but I felt him. I really felt him. He was like, I want you to be better. I want you to be healthy. 
I want you to be the warrior and the king that you are. And I believed the feedback came from love and I trusted him. And I since then hired a trainer. I built a gym in my garage. I hired a health coach and I lost 30 pounds and I feel great. And I went back to him a couple months ago and I thanked him. I said, thank you for telling me the truth. We love competition. We love that, that if you are masculine identified, we like that fierceness. And I just don't know many feminine identified beings that would want feedback like that. It would usually be, oh my God, you're beautiful the way you are. You're a goddess. Like, oh, post the picture of you and whatever state that you're in. And that actually helps her thrive. Not the, the fierce criticism. And there's in there, there's there's nothing wrong with either of them, but just knowing for yourself, I actually do well. I as Jamie do better with loving criticism than just praise. Every once in a while, I like my I like my praise just a little bit. Like after the end of this podcast, you're like, oh my god, you're the best I'll be sure to praise you. Ever have? Oh my god! Like there is that's my that's my emotion. You mentioned the Me Too movement before, and. Um, I recently read Chanel Miller's book, which was amazing. Know My Name, which was about the Stanford rape case. Um, Jagged Little Pill on Broadway is a brilliant musical. You know, both of them deal with sexual assault and rape. And in both of those situations, the women are impaired. And I've had a lot of conversations with college-aged women who have been victims of assault. And, And you talk about this this notion of men having power over. And I wonder what, you know, when a woman is incapacitated, whether she's been roofied, whether she's sleeping, whether she's intoxicated, what would have a man see that as an opportunity to violate her as opposed to using his size to want to protect her and get her out of harm's way? And, and what could we start teaching differently in order for men to step into that part of themselves that would protect? It's just, my, just my, I'm just emotional hearing about it. Um, I feel like this is a sort of above my pay grade in many ways. As I'm, as I'm, not, a, I'm not a therapist or a psychologist or a psychiatrist, and I have my own personal view of it. Um, men need to be accountable. And, and that needs to start at a very, very early age. To me, um, it's about raising children um, and boys to be responsible and accountable and, 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 and to also allow boys to cry and have a, their own feminine because we don't honor the feminine if the feminine is not honored within us. So if we're told like toughen up, don't be a fag, don't be this, don't be the, like these things that even I was born in the 70s, late 70s and the 80s, like the way that we were taught about, you know, even the jokes that my dad would make, like we weren't taught to honor that within ourselves. And so to me, it's like, as we're um, tr- retraining and, re- and re- um, rearing our, 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 like, so I'm so excited for my son. He like, when I do my men's groups on Wednesday night, 
he comes into the group and he sits down and he does like five minutes with us and he sits there and I'm like, just to be part of the tribe. And, and, and it, we have to change culture. And I just, I don't know if you've seen this like YouTube, this little meme of this boy uh, who couldn't break a board, this cross has millions of views. And he started crying. And then the sensei came out and was like, you can cry. Like he told him that it was okay to cry. <laughs> I was just sitting there sobbing. And I was like, all the times I was told to like stuff my emotions in my heart. So if I'm not honoring, I could just imagine, and I, I ended up letting it be honored later and more further in my life. So I would imagine if so many men did not honor the feminine within themselves, why would they even think to honor the feminine without themselves? I think so too. Yeah. Jamie, thank you so much for talking to us today. I'm so grateful for this conversation and I have so much to think about. That was great. That was so fun. It was such a pleasure. And thanks to your team. And, and uh, it was just, a, it was a real pr privilege to be here. The One Is Now is co-hosted by Michelle Fiordaliso and Zora Alunga-Reed. It's produced in Los Angeles, California by Jack Zager. For more information on the free 21-day coaching program and for complete show notes, visit thewhenisnow.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, The When Is Now.